Thanks for listening to the Issue Podcast. If you like what you hear, then be sure to catch us every week on all of the top streaming platforms. If you want more of the Issue and access to our exclusive episodes, then subscribe to the Issue Mic'd Up. All of the links can be found on our website, and the link is in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check us out on Instagram at the underscore issue podcast and on our Twitter at the issue podcast. You are now locked in and listening to the issue. This guy is a franchise quarterback and no, I don't want to hear any pushback on that. It feels like a top 10 roster to me. It feels like it can win a championship. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is The Issue. It is Friday, May 6th, and we have another episode of The Issue. Day late. It's fine. It's a glorious day today. It is. It's a beautiful day. I mean, outside, no, we'll get to the weather, of course, at the start of the second segment, you know, like like we always do, but it's a beautiful day for a different reason. Yeah. Back in the... In We're the, home. In the home studio. Yes. Um, everything is set up perfectly. The, the better studio. It's more comfortable. So much more comfortable. A little bit more room. It float The, the feng shui... If people still use that word, is is a little bit better. You know uh, what I yeah, mean? the conversation just gets it, it gets rolling to a whole different level. Um, we have a lot of big show news coming up. Uh, the next week to the week after, at the latest, we'll have something big to roll out and debut. Um, it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, it's gonna be really exciting. A lot of a lot of progression going on here so thank you guys for listening and for all the support um today we have hits and misses like normal we're going to go over the penguins playoffs a little bit and then talk about kenny pickett to the steelers i think that's something that most of the people on here are coming to listen for i mean post draft you're a pittsburgh fan probably so you're here to hear about kenny pickett we're going to give you that in the first segment um second segment we're going to have the afc draft grades all the teams in the afc grading how they did in the draft and then of course in the third segment we have to hit the nfc and give out draft grades there and finish it up with a possible who's that you insert at the end we will see uh, if we have time um well the penguins stole some home ice yeah yeah so now i mean if you split on the road now you have the next you have three of the next five games at home and the series is even. So, theoretically speaking, this is now a five-game series in which we have home ice advantage. Yes. Um, so, we like that. That's good math. Um, but let's start with hits and misses first. We will get to the Penguins here in a little bit. Okay. Um, so, hit number one. Let's go with Baker. I, I've said that the an issue with Baker, I don't know if he'll get a second chance because his first stop, he had so much talent around him. And so, what does another team that probably has less talent than the Browns, because the Browns, that's a top 10 roster still, even after they've lost some pieces. That's probably a top 10 roster. So what what does any of the other 22 teams, because if the, the other top 10 rosters probably have their quarterbacks set, you know, who of the next 22 teams is going to take a flyer on a guy who couldn't succeed at a high level with that situation and blew that situation and you look at your roster and think, hmm, we don't have what they have, so why are we going to bring him in and expect him to be even better? So I said he's going to have some trouble getting a second chance. Nobody wants him right now. No. Nobody. And also, the Browns picking up that fifth-year option has hurt not only them, but any other team that would want to acquire him because now you have to pay him $17 million. Nobody is going to pay him $17 million. That's a big chunk of change. I mean, maybe someone would take a flyer for like 9 to 10 I mean, even still. I can't see anyone picking up $17 million to get Baker Mayfield on their roster. I just can't. Plus the noise, the possible drama that comes with them. That comes at an expense, too. I mean, just look at the teams that you could logically say, ooh, Baker would be an upgrade. The Giants. They elect to take Daniel Jones. They, they, They would rather roll with Daniel Jones. What does that tell you? Go look at Atlanta. They said, you know what, we'll take Marcus Mariota, who is significantly worse of a quarterback maybe not significantly but a not as good of a quarterback as baker i will say that 
they would elect to go with Mariota. Um, look at Washington. You could argue Wentz versus Baker. They have no interest. Carolina with Darnold. He's definitely better than Darnold. Yeah. They have no interest. So I, I'm not sure where the market is, and we've been saying it for a while. I'm not sure he has one. All right, how about let's go with a miss. I, I, I think I said one time, uh, this might have been in one of the first two to three episodes of the entire podcast. I said, I think Vladdy Jr. is, is going to be a little overrated. Didn't age well. Um, he's an absolute unit. I, I don't know how you pitch to him. He can hit the low pitch. He can get his hands up and hit the high pitch. He can turn on one. He'll go the other way. Oh, and by the way, he's turned into not an elite fielder, but a really serviceable first baseman. Did you see that play at the end of the game? Oh, God, I, I think they were playing the Astros. Ground ball to Matt Chapman, but it was kind of slowly hit on like a chopper. So he had to wait back behind the baseline. There was somebody running in front, had to wait back and then make a strong throw. He skips it across. Really tough dig. Vladdy digs it. It's like the second or third time he's done that to end the game this year. Ice in the veins. I, look, we don't know his career as a scope, but so far, I am certainly wrong by saying he was going to be a bust or, or overrated because he looks like a star. Yeah. Like a star. All right, about a, how about another hit here? Our boy Matt Wood came on the show, friend of the show, absolute pleasure to talk to. If you haven't listened to that episode, I, I don't understand how you haven't. Yeah, but fantastic episode. It's not that far down. Just give me give me two or three swipes on Spotify. You'll find it down there. Um, absolute credit to the game. Anyway, he is hitting 415, 10th in the nation. Leads the Big Ten in hitting. The number one catcher in Division One baseball right now from an offensive standpoint. And I don't really care about. I don't really, you know. I mean, he's good enough with the glove that does. I, I, I don't care. You, if you can hit, you're going to find the field. And he's hitting 415. And I mean, don't even. I mean, his defensive play is. It's insane. certainly good enough. It's certainly good enough. I'm not a. I'm not a connoisseur here. I don't know. I don't know all the catcher, the little minute details that a scout would look for, but. He looks pretty good. He's okay, great. He's and, great. And, and he absolutely rakes. He's got a great combination of power. He can run a little bit. He's sneaky on the base pass. Um, he's got double gap-to-gap power. But, oh, by the way, he'll put one 40 feet over a 400-foot fence, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, he's a beast. We need he's to get beast. him on again soon. We really do. I want to hear about uh, how successful he was. Actually, I was texting him the other day, and he said, and I was just like, what is it like to be this like to be on this much of a hot streak? Because, I mean, he's hitting almost 500 over his last, like, 10 to 15 games. Which is insane. 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 Division one college baseball in the Big Ten. Big Ten and Big Ten, it might not be the SEC, but it's no joke. It's, n- it's no joke. Yeah. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not the SEC, but it is absolutely plus, no joke. Plus, let's remember, that's cold weather. Yeah. That's rainy. I mean, think about the, the weather at State College I went, I in went early to, March. I went to State College in early March. It's not a pleasurable it time. It into my ear hole. Okay? It was not fun. No. It was not a fun experience. I couldn't even imagine hitting anything other than a bun. If you can, Actually, I got a base if hit, you can succeed matter. in that environment, then I, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to be good to go. It, it very much like the if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball theory. Right. If, if you can play baseball at State College in March, you can compete. But I will say, I was texting him, and he said a lot about the mentality that you have. I was like, what is it like to be on this kind of hot streak? And he was like, and I was like, is, is, is he, like do you just see the ball better? And he goes, ah, he's like, it's not even that you see the ball better. He goes, you go into the at-bat knowing that you're better than him and that he's more scared to face you than you are to face him, and he's going to make that extra mistake. I love that. And I know that I'm better than him, and so I know that when he makes that mistake, I can hammer it. I love that. And I'm like, that's sweet. Extreme confidence. You love it. Exude confidence. Um, Okay, let's go with another miss here. I did tweet. I said, the Jets, like, what are they doing? Because I thought, you know, I I do like Sauce Gardner as the first pick. Like, he is a solid, solid DB. But I will say, you can't keep your quarterback upright, yet you went and drafted a DB. Right? Like, stopping the other offense isn't going to matter if you can't put up points. But I will say, as a whole, the Jets draft is really, really solid. I mean, their first five picks are all going to be starters, and I would argue probably high-end starters, year one or two. Um, so would I have went out and probably drafted a, an offensive lineman instead? Yeah, yeah, but what do I know? Um, Joe Douglas has had two straight really solid drafts for the Jets, so um, in the short term, probably a miss there. We'll see, though. All right, I have another hit here. Um, I've I've said there's a reason, like you know, all these teams that are that'll move off coaches and move off quarterbacks like really really fast. And I said, look at the bottom ten teams, then look at the top ten teams, and then like realize that the top ten teams have had like 15 coaches combined in the last decade. The bottom ten have had like 
47 combined. Like, there's a reason, right? I said the smart teams keep getting smarter and better. Um, and I thought that an epitome was the, of this was um, Baltimore absolutely fleecing Arizona for a first-round pick for, for Hollywood Brown. I mean, he's never had over 1,000 yards in a season, and they just got a first-round pick for him. Yeah. The Steelers got a third and a fifth for A.B. in his prime. Right, and Arizona just gave up the 23rd overall pick for Marquise Hollywood-Brown, who isn't even six foot tall as an NFL receiver. Um, I'm not saying heights everything, but has yet to show any bit of splash production. And honestly, all it was was just a, an olive branch to Kyler to say, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll trade for your best friend. Because they're still best friends. They played together in college. I, I think it was more of an olive branch to Kyler. And whenever you start doing that for a star quarterback, you start losing values for your organization as a whole. Look out, right? There was a reason that Baltimore is always in playoff contention and never a shock. Oh, hey, Baltimore's just won 12 games this year. Okay. Okay. I I would be surprised if Arizona wins 12 games. I'd be like, wow, that's a really good season. Baltimore's like, yeah, man, it's like happens three out of every five years. Like this just (laughs) is what it is at this point, right? Yeah. Um, So the smart just keep getting smarter. And finally, our last miss here. So although we although we did <laughs> the so, sigh. so we did our mock draft on what we personally would do. Nonetheless, we should we went, have said that we got we ripped. did we did say that. I don't, did you not say it in the Instagram post? The, well, the Instagram post didn't say it. The Twitter post didn't say it, and it wasn't on the graphic. I should have had it put on the graphic. Well, because we said it multiple times on the air, but I'm guessing a lot of people that saw it didn't listen. No. Anyway. I guess for those listening, you would get it. But we did say that this is what we would do, not what we expect to happen. But nonetheless, we went 0 for 32, <laughs> and we have to take our lumps here. You know, we, you know, we'll, we'll take the beating real quick and move on, right? Everyone gets one dig. You can go comment one dig, and then we're moving on, all right? We're moving on. Hey, but we got, we got games and predicting games right almost, like, I'd say 80% of the time during the season. So... We'll bank on that. We'll, we'll ride with that. I, I'd like to be right on games when it comes to sports betting. And when we start talking that a ton this summer on the issue mic'd up. I will say, we did on the air once again say, oh, I think Atlanta should draft Garrett Wilson, but they will probably draft Drake London. What do you know they did? I said that um, the Jags would probably draft Trayvon Walker, although it wasn't the pick that I would make. I thought Aiden Hutchinson is A, more productive, B, comes from more of a culture of breeding pass rushers I, I figured that he would be more of the pick but I did say I expect him to take Trayvon Walker it's just not what I would do so like I said nonetheless we did go for 32 we gotta admit when we're wrong I guess technically we didn't, we weren't right so whatever it's a mess and with that we go to the Penguins we're just gonna get right out of that real quick um so, so, the, so the Penguins split. Yeah, so going into Game 3 now, finally coming back to Pittsburgh, uh, getting out of Madison Square Garden, which I think will honestly kind of be good. Get back on the home ice, get get a little – you just got beat 5-2. to two. You need a little palate cleanser. You need something to bring you back down to earth a little bit. Some practices at home, some come, staying at home is, is going to benefit you. Come back, go, go get a Permanis Pittsburgher, have a beer, take a deep breath, right? Yep. Take a deep breath. Go. You, you split on the road versus the best goaltender in the league. Hey, we'll take that. We'll t- and we've started our like third or fourth string catcher who had spicy pork catcher. and broccoli. Or I'm sorry, goalie. Same thing. Whatever. <laughs> goalie who just had spicy pork and broccoli the minute before he stepped on the ice and, and put forth, what, 14 straight saves? Okay. You take that as a win. Yeah, you do. Um, the funny thing, I was listening to the game. I was driving and uh, listening on the radio. During the double overtime, and well, that was probably nerve wracking having to listen to it. Yeah, and they go, oh, uh, DeSmith is skating over to the bench. He just called timeout. I don't even think he can call timeout right now. They're like, the Rangers had possession of the puck, and they're like, oh, here comes our, the third string goalie, never started an NHL game before. Yeah, like um, Louis, Louis Domingue. Yeah, and they go, uh, the the sports caster goes. Well, I hope he didn't have too much popcorn or too many hot dogs sitting in the stands during this game because uh, I bet he, he didn't think he was getting in in double overtime. That's exactly what he said when he got interviewed. He goes, I was not expecting to play. had quite the meal. I mean, look, I will say game one, that's a huge, that's a huge win. 
being down 2 nothing early versus Shesterkin and coming back with a backup goaltender and a third-string goaltender, because Dismiss even a backup, a backup and a third-string goaltender coming back and winning 4-3 in triple overtime, huge, massive. Needed that. I was hoping the momentum of, the, momentum of that would carry into game two. It did through the first period, period and a half. Right. Things I, got loose in the second. There were just some plays where Domingue just wasn't seeing it, I think. Or there were a couple that were just like, oh, like how do well, you, how do you, like how? Uh. Well, I think in a lot of senses it's the way, like in the NFL, when we see a, a rookie quarterback start or somebody come in that hasn't played much, the defense can do things that easily confuses them and gets them their sight off the line just a little bit, just those little minor things. And I think it's kind of like that with hockey too. I mean, it, it's a professional sport. Uh, those pucks are being shot 100 miles an hour at you. Uh, there's different schemes that they can probably pull and different screening tactics so that you can't see all that well. And, yeah, an experienced playoff team like the New York Rangers is probably going to be able to do some things to get into the head a little bit of, of, right. a, of a third-string goaltender. There were, just, there were just a couple plays here and there where I'm like, I don't know. Because they, were, they, they weren't given quality shots. They were just kind of thrown to the yeah. net. And there were a couple that it's just, like, for example, there was one that got, I know it got redirected, but then it went five hole. And I'm saying, like, the stick discipline, because it wasn't like it went five hole and it, like, you know, threaded the needle between his stick and and his pads. No, like, he didn't, he had a wide open betwixt the legs area. Like, he had not, his stick discipline was terrible. It was off to the left, which I don't understand. So the shot was coming, it was a pass over to the center. So he was moving left to right in the crease and he left his stick on the left and it just went right through his left and i'm just it should like, be in the middle the whole time and i'm just like oh the stick discipline is rough and i i get that it's a redirection and those are hard to save but a veteran goaltender like it smith like a jari that's a save yeah. all day and there were there were bare minimum two that you're like if he just has a little bit more discipline in net that's a save so do you now think- i don't think it's his fault like it's i mean he's a third string goaltender i'm not sitting here and be like oh that's it. Get the main guy out of town. Our defense did not play well either. Yeah. So do you think that triple overtime game is kind of like beginner's luck? Where, I mean, like, come on, you made 17 saves in, in double and triple overtime. But, yeah. like, do you, or do you think this could be like a situation that we saw with Murray? I mean, Flurry was our goaltender. He got, he got hurt going down the stretch, and Murray had to take over for, like, I think, what was it, a series, series and a half? And he ended up outplaying Flurry by the end of it. Um, I guess it's possible. I don't. I don't foresee that happening though. I think. Well, I don't know. What, what's the deal with Jari? Is he coming back? Is he? Is he dead? I don't. They haven't announced anything. What about the Smith? Was lower body? Yeah, they I think he's day to day. Well, day to day, better get him back tomorrow. Right. Because the Penguins have a game at PPG. If you didn't notice. Um. Look, it's certainly not a good spot to be in. I don't think it's going to be a Murray Flurry type of situation. We kind of saw Murray on the horizon for a while, and he was a known, very talented goaltender from the beginning. I mean, not Domingue is not bad, but he's not a no. No one two years ago was like, "Hey, you, got, you better watch out for Louis Domingue here in a couple <laughs> years." Once he develops, he's going to be really solid. Or you heard that about Murray. You heard that even about Jari. Um, so I don't think that's this situation here. But oh, I'd kill to get Jari back right now. That'd be nice. I mean, oh. like, look, even DeSmith is playing okay. Uh, I will say, I mean, two goals wasn't going to win the game anyway. You're, you're not going to win against the Rangers with two goals, so we can sit here and nitpick the defense all we want, but... Cross has been playing amazing like normal. you gotta, you got to score. Yeah, he has been. He really has been. Um, that top line's been playing really well. Jake Jake has three goals already in the in the two games, but... We'll get Tyler Bursick on in the next week or two. Get him on. Really break it down. Talk some hockey, yeah. Yeah. Um, So Kenny Pickett drafted to the Steelers. Uh, Not what we saw coming, but, you know, I feel like it was kind of hyped up around the league and the draft world for about a month before about Kenny Pickett to Pittsburgh. Um, What do you think about it? So I'm going a little soapbox here. Uh, It wasn't the pick I would have made. It wasn't the pick I would have made. I I think my issue with it is that I think we just drafted Mitch Trubisky's cousin, if that makes sense. right? Yeah. I, I don't think either one brings anything 
super special to the field, right? Both are going to be accurate. Both are going to be on time with their throws. They're not going to put the ball in harm's way. They're going to be able to read defenses. Um, they're both going to give you a little bit of athleticism, right? And you don't expect them to be Lamar Jackson, but they're both going to be able to get outside the pocket, make some throws on the run, even extend some plays with their legs. Sure. Those are all the strengths of both quarterbacks. But they also have the same weaknesses, right? Kind of a little bit of a limited arm. Has had some issues with fumbles. Um, although they won't put the ball in harm's way all that often, they're pretty accurate. But they'll make like one throw a game where you're just like, mm, that hurts a little bit. Yeah. Um, neither of them are, you know, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, throw on the run, make those type of plays, right? They'll, they'll get outside the pocket and move a little bit, but they're not super athletic. They're a little bit limited on the arm. You see the same issues and the same benefits with both. And so my issue is spending a first-round pick on a guy that we already have. We already have his prototype in the building, right? We already have the same quarterback in the building. Um, but I, I will say, I, they are. He, he'll start probably. I, I expect him to start day one. Yeah. They said there'll be a, there'll be a um, like competition or whatever. And even if he doesn't start day one, that's fine. But I will say. You're going to see a strong improvement in the quarterback play, no matter who's starting. If it is Pickett, he's going to be significantly better than Ben was last year and probably the year before. He's probably going to be a little bit better than Trubisky. Like you're going to, he's going to succeed early, right? The offensive line's been rebuilt. He has a run game. The weapons are solid. They just drafted two more wide receivers. You already have a star tight end. You're not going to have to win shootouts. You have a really good defense, right? So he's going to see success early. He's not going to have to put up 40 points. He's not going to be running for his life. He's not throwing to deck furniture, right? He's got a lot of stability, organizational stability. Tomlin's never had a losing season. Steelers are generally pretty well run. They're very patient. Great situation for him. You're going to see success early. I think, though, the issue is it's going to be a very Mac Jones situation. You're going to see him come in. He'll have a lot of success early. He's not going to put the ball in harm's way. Because you see all these rookie stat lines, like Zach Wilson go out, no touchdowns, three picks. Well, then you see Mac Jones, it's like, oh, one touchdown, no picks. So it's like... QBR of 85. Right. So from a rookie standpoint, he's going to go out and he's probably going to have the best year of anybody. Now, granted, he might be the only one that actually plays. But from a rookie standpoint, he's going to have some pretty good statistics. He's going to win a lot. My issue is, is the ceiling, is, is it very Mac Jones? Where at the end of the day, you look around in your own division and you say, Deshaun twice a year, Lamar twice a year. And Joe Burrow twice a year. Am I going to go into every single game with the with the the second best quarterback in that game? Am I going to go into every season with the fourth best quarterback in the division? At least from an athletic standpoint, even Joe Burrow has had some ACLs, moves a little bit better. Lamar obviously, and Deshaun obviously. So you're going to go in with the fourth most athletic quarterback. You're going to go in with the fourth most proven quarterback at this point. You're going to go in with the fourth most. I don't know about winning, but every other one's been to the playoffs at least. You're going to go with the least experience. That's something you worry about. That's something, even in the AFC alone, or the, well, the AFC North alone, look at the entire AFC. Then you had Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, it's Derek Carr. It's a lot of talent. Derek Carr. I, I would even argue that, um, that Mac Jones is at this point is probably a little bit better. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, if he turns out to be pretty solid. Right, so you're going to go into almost every single game, at least that you're going to play in the AFC, with the lesser talent, per se, from an athletic standpoint. Now, I know that it's not all athleticism, um, but in the day, in, in today's NFL, it kind of is a lot about athleticism. Yeah. Can you extend the play? Can you make it happen? Right? People are like, oh, what about Tom Brady? And I'm like, Tom Brady's the best pre-snap quarterback to ever play the game of football. Do you under like Tom Brady knows what's going to happen before the ball's even snapped? He doesn't have to make second reaction plays because he already knows what's going to happen, where the football's going to go, and it's not going to be a problem because he's been in the league for twenty some years. He's the best pre-snap quarterback that the league's ever seen. He doesn't need to have second reaction talent. He doesn't need to be able to move out of the pocket because he's going to manipulate the entire play to where he's upright, getting the ball to where it needs to go. Period. And so, if you are a young quarterback, yes, you need to be able to move a little bit. And can he? Yes. But can he move like everybody else? No. Does he have the arm like a lot of other guys in the, in the AFC alone? No. Would I rather draft a Tyler Linderbaum, take in my lumps this season, maybe go 7-10 and 10 with Trubisky, turn around next year and draft like, uh, I don't know, any of the five quarterbacks who 
go go ask any scout. The top five quarterbacks next year would have all went in the top ten of this year's draft. They would have all been the first quarterback selected in this year's draft. Yeah. That's personally what I rather have done. But that doesn't mean I hate the pick because he's an automatic upgraded quarterback. And as long as you are upgrading the most important position, I can't call it a bad pick. There's just other things that I would have rather done. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, I am concerned with him being almost an exact photocopy replica of Mitch Trubisky. Like, you already have that. I get... I just... I hated the pick at first. When it first came out, because I was sitting there saying, don't take a quarterback, don't take a quarterback, because I want a Tyler Linderbaum. I thought that was more of a position of need. And he goes to the Ravens, too. I know, so you have to play him in division twice a year. Um, At least. So, I don't know. I didn't like the pick at first, but then the more I thought about it, okay, look, if you don't hit on him, draft somebody new. Like, yes, I understand the... The Steelers are a very patient organization, but also don't be afraid to go out there, throw your weight around a little bit. And if he's not the guy, go draft another quarterback next year. I love that idea. You saw Arizona do it with Kyler Murray. They drafted Josh Rosen like what ninth or something, and they were just like, "Look, he's just not it." And we see something better in this year's draft. And there's a great draft class coming up next year. Look, put him on a trial deal. If he doesn't get it done this year, and you don't like the outlook or the potential success, and you don't think, or you think that somebody could do better, by all means, get him in. Yeah, no, I see. Now, my issue with that is the whole the whole Steelers fan base and the Steelers in general, big. Oh, well, we're patient and and blah blah blah. So we we're gonna sit him for a couple games. He's almost twenty four years old. If he starts his first NFL game next season, if we go with the whole oh, let's sit him for a year and let him develop. He's going to be 25 years old when he makes his first NFL start. Yeah, that's not going to happen. That can't happen. That can't happen because then we miss out on next year's draft class. Right, you have to at least see what you got. Look, he's been in college for five years in a pro-style offense. He can either play or he can't. Period. Period. What's he going to learn sitting behind Mitch Trubisky? I'm not saying Mitch isn't cerebral, but nobody's ever like... I'll tell you what. Mitch Trubisky at the line of scrimmage is just unbelievable. Oh, Mitch Trubisky in the film room is just something that you've never seen before, right? People are like, oh, well, what about Patrick Mahomes? Alex Smith has been known as a film guru and a quarterback savant since he stepped foot in the league, right? He's been known for that. He's always been known to have that cerebral be. He just gets the game with that next level. Yeah. I'm not saying Mitch Trubisky's not a smart guy, but what are we really gaining here with Kenny Pickett sitting behind Mitch Trubisky? Not much. He's not sitting behind a legend. It's not like he's, oh, you know, let's let him learn from Aaron Rodgers for a little bit. No. So I think you start him day one. He's a 24-year-old quarterback who's been in college for five years. Let him figure it out. He can either play or he can't. And like you said, move off him if you can't. Move yeah. off him. Go to, go to next year's draft. Don't be afraid to move off. Um, so next segment, we will be getting into all of the draft grades for the AFC. And then to come in the third segment, we have – the uh the draft grades for the nfc teams and to finish it out who's that yinzer we will see you on the other side of the break hey guys thanks for listening to the issue this episode is brought to you by phoenix or fnx it's almost summertime go out and get all your supplements you need to keep you in the gym burn those love handles let's get out on the beach this summer guys thank you for listening to the issue again go use code tj2022 for 15% off your purchase. Thank you, guys. Hello, people of the mostly Pittsburgh area, but hey, where, wherever you are, you know, welcome in. It's the issue. Second segment, um, like we do always at this time, second segment, right? I, I usually look out the nearest window um, and kind of get a gauge on the weather here. So I'm looking right now. Um, plus, I was outside earlier today. Rainy. Not super cold, though. High 50s, I believe. Um, a little bit rainy, though, in Western PA. So, you, you know, you win some, lose most, especially here. But uh, we live and we learn. We're inside, at least. We have a nice roof over our heads. So, uh, life isn't bad, I'll tell you that right now. And uh, I'll tell you, there are some teams, though, that life's not too bad waking up this morning, right? Like, you know, if you're a Denver fan or a Kansas City fan, you're probably feeling pretty good right now. If you're the Ravens, you're feeling good. 
And then we'll go over some teams that probably are a little upset with their NFL franchise. Yeah, they're waking yeah. up in the rain without a roof over their head. You know, it's it's a tough day for a lot of NFL franchises. Um, AFC and NFC, there have been some misses on both. But, I mean, for the most part, I feel like a lot of the really good teams drafted really well. And I just like a then, lot of the same for the bad. Right. Like, even though the Browns have been good, you see their draft and you're like, mm. Or like the Jags, like even though they just spent a ton in free agency, have a good young quarterback, new coach, and then they draft, and you're just like, it's okay. And then it's like, ah, uh, like Miami, they've been historically not that good, and they're just like, eh, the draft is eh. so, you know. Like I said in the first segment, sometimes the smart get smarter. Um, so without further ado, <clears throat> we're gonna start with the AFC North, and then we'll go south, east, and west. So let's start with the North. Start with the hometown Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll give them a B plus, right? Like I said, I don't know what to really think about the Kenny Pickett move. Is he an upgrade at the most important position? Yes. Does he have a low ceiling? Maybe. We'll see, right? It's hard to say on a ceiling with a guy who it's like, who knows, right? Who knows what he's going to be like when he gets into the NFL, you know, coaching tree type thing, right? So we'll see. But at the end of the day, I don't love picking him over like a Linderbaum or solidifying other spots on our roster. Um, but I like the George Pickens. I like the uh, DeMarvin Leal. He's, he's pretty decent, kind of athletic, bends the corner pretty nice. Um, and then Calvin Austin, it was funny. They actually asked Sauce Gardner, who I view as the best corner in the draft, um, who went to the Jets. They said, who's the toughest wide receiver that you played? Um, and he goes, Calvin Austin from Memphis. And, well, what do you know? He's going uh, to probably be the Steelers' third or fourth wide receiver and a, and a really solid option at that depth chart. Let's go to the Ravens. I think the Ravens had a really, really good draft. Really solid. Um, I'll give them an, we'll give them an A minus. Uh, I think they first of all, I think they fleeced the Cardinals. Getting a first round pick for Hollywood Brown is unbelievable. I don't know. Unbelievable. Um, so they fleeced the Cardinals, and that allows them to pick Linderbaum in that slot. Um, they take Kyle Hamilton. So I think both of those guys are surefire. They might not be surefire superstars, but both of them are going to be. Five, six, seven-time Pro Bowlers are going to be really solid starters for the next ten to twelve years, right? They might not be—you might not be getting Honey Badger with Kyle Hamilton. You might not be getting Jeff Saturday with Tyler Linderbaum. But they're both going to be really high-quality NFL starters because um, they're both freak athletes. And they get a uh, defensive tackle Jones or something from Connecticut. He's actually pretty solid. Um, some people had him rated above a Jordan Davis and above a Devontae Wyatt, so we'll see. And uh, then David Ajabo uh, from Michigan, who the only reason he fell a little bit in the draft was because he had some injury issues. But once he's healthy, he's just as good. I mean, him and Aiden Hudson were a one-two punch this year. There were some games you would argue that he was the one of that two punch. So uh, the, the Ravens had a really solid draft, at least their first four four to five picks. How about the Bengals? Uh, we'll give them a B plus. So what they said is, okay, we have the offensive side pretty much figured out. We went out and spent some money on the offensive line. It's not fully rebuilt, but it's definitely going to be a lot better. Now we need to rebuild our secondary. Let's go get some cheap labor in the secondary through the draft. So they go get Dax Hill and uh, Cam Taylor-Britt. Combined in in college, they both allowed, like combined, five touchdowns, and they have six interceptions combined. So they're super productive, good, solid secondary guys, and uh, and then, that, then they took like a tackle or something, a guard, um, something Volson. I, I don't really remember off the top of my head, and he's like a third, fourth, fifth round pick, but um, so they at least get some depth in the offensive line. That's where you expect them to go in their later round picks. I'll give it a B plus. Like it's definitely solid. They know, hey, we don't need Joe Burrow to win shootouts, right? That's not our goal. Is to have him score forty points a game. We got to get some secondary guys. And the Browns, we'll give him a C. Uh, that's probably being nice. They go out and get. I, I think he was a DB. Yeah, he's a DB from Mississippi State. Yeah, Emerson. He's fine. Uh, it, nothing special. A lot of people like him. Um, look, I don't think they needed a secondary guy. I will say that now. But then they go out and get David Bell from Purdue. I think is going to be a solid possession receiver. Outside of that, their draft was pretty mad. They don't have a lot of picks because they dealt them all for Watson. So we're not really... It's tough to kind of look at this and be like, oh, well, what exactly are we evaluating here? A bunch of third and fourth round picks. And at that point, it's kind of a kind of a guessing game anyway. Yeah. You I'm, can kind of evaluate value, but that's about it. Yeah, and and I mean, you got to kind of leave the whole Deshaun acquisition thing out of it too, because if we're just grading on the draft, 
I mean, technically, if we were grading on the whole offseason, I think they did a good job going out and getting Deshaun. I think it's a huge upgrade from Baker, and I think they're going to grow a lot from that because I think Deshaun's ceiling is miles above Almost what Baker's would have ever been. Right. Um, so, I just think in this draft, they seemed very Cleveland Browns. Just very middle of the road. Right. Which it, I didn't expect them to go and make a didn't splash. Didn't shake any feathers, no. Right. But nonetheless, it's, it's a C. Right about a good two. Let's go to the AFC South. So the Jags, like I said, I don't really love the first overall pick. Now, Trayvon Walker has the intangibles of a first-round pick. He runs like one. He's got the size like one. My issue is None of his production tells me that he's a first-round pick. None of it whatsoever. And I understand taking a guy... Now, if you're drafting seventh, go ahead and take a guy that, you know, might have a little bit more upside over more of a production. If we're going first overall, we need this guy to be able to step in and play and produce now. Especially as a defensive lineman, you got to be able to step in and produce. Aiden Hutchinson was that guy. He was right there on the board. You were at number one. You had to pick the litter, and you could have picked anybody that would walk in day one and be more productive. Even though you don't draft DBs one first overall, I would have understood Sauce Gardner even more. He's at least productive. He can go get you some picks. Um, Trayvon Walker has shown no ability to actually produce, even in the SEC, as a pass rusher, no ability to produce on a consistent basis. It's all a potential pick. Um, so I'm not surprised there, but I will say they kind of saved it in the later couple picks here. Um, Devin Lloyd out of Utah is a beast linebacker, so that's a really good get for them. And I think they drafted an offensive lineman, uh, something Fortner, Luke Luke Fortner maybe? Doesn't matter. Um, they need to shred the offensive line. We don't need Lawrence running for his life, so that makes sense. All right about Houston, I'll give Houston a B. I don't love their first pick, given that they're going to take Derek Stingley over Sauce Gardner. Yeah. Sauce Gardner is a he's 6'4" big, long, lanky. Uh, he's got the long arms to, to, to break out passes. He can jump on the ball, right? He'll get your picks. Um, and Stingley's a little bit more of a project. He had a great, really, really solid freshman year at LSU and then took a step back. Um, I'm sorry, actually, he got an injury in his sophomore year and then took a major step back junior year. So I worry a little bit if he's going to be able to stay consistent. But then they go out and uh, I for, is he, they go get, and um, get Jalen Petre, yeah, he's a safety. Um, John Mechie and Christian Harris. Uh, so two Alabama guys at the end. It's never a bad idea to draft Alabama guys. No. So right about to go with uh, Indianapolis. We'll give them a C plus. They didn't have a whole lot of picks either, but I do like what they did with their picks. They got and get a, an offensive tackle and that Bernard Rainman, who I thought could have even jumped into the first round. They get him in I think the third, which is a great get. Uh, you get Alec Pierce, who's like six five but moves like a deer. I worry a little bit because he plays very similar to Michael Pittman. So the they're kind of getting two of the same receiver, right? Big possession receiver, but like I said, Pierce runs a little bit better. I'm not saying he's Julio Jones, but he does have that combination of size and speed that if it pans out, he could end up being really, really good. Uh, so I, I don't, those two picks are solid, but again, they don't have a whole lot of picks, and the other ones are kind of underwhelming, so we'll go C. Um, finally, here, Tennessee. I'll give him a B, plus, right? Traylon Burks is going to step in. He's a lot like Debo Sammy, right? He's big, he's physical, he can, he can move a little bit. Um, Traylon Burks will step in and play day one and be really, really solid, especially because I don't think A.J. Brown was worth what he wanted. He wanted close to $30 million. That's why they traded him to Philadelphia. Um, so I, I, I agree with them not paying him. And so if you're not going to and you're going to trade him, then a wide receiver should be your first pick. So they do it the right way, go out and get his replacement. You get a DB because um, from Auburn McCreary because you couldn't stop anybody last year. Um, and Ryan Tannehill is not the guy that's going to go win you shootouts. So we should probably, probably work on stopping some people. Um, then you get an offensive lineman. It's a fine draft. It's a fine draft. Nothing yeah. crazy. You get Malik Willis. I like that idea. Um, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about Malik Willis. He's not going. He's not going to see the field for the first year. So I don't know. We'll see. All right. How about let's go into the AFC East. Let's start with the Bills. I'll give him a B minus. Um, I will say I think I think the idea to draft a corner opposite Tre'Davious White is a great idea with that Kyer Elam or Elam or whatever from uh, Florida. And I like the idea to go get a running back in James Cook, Dalvin Cook's brother. But I will say I thought there were better picks on the board at both those slots that they took at that position. I thought I think Andrew Booth is a little bit better of a corner than Elam, and uh, and Brees Hall. Uh, well, actually, Brees Hall was gone. I'm sorry. By the time they took Cook, I forget that there was another running back that I liked a little bit more than Cook. So that's why they have to 
B plus or a B minus, not like a B plus or even an A minus, because I thought there were better guys for those positions, but they did address needs with guys that do have talent. I'm not saying that they're not good. But personally, I thought there were better options out there, but they did address weaknesses, so it can't be that bad. All right, uh, Miami, the, like, they, they don't have picks. Um, they really And, and I'm going to be right, honest right now. I can sit here and read you the names, but I don't recognize a single one of them. Uh, Tyndall and, and, and Izukama, no idea who they are. I, I, I have no idea. Um, I don't think they drafted any major needs. I think they just kind of drafted the best available player. I'll give them a C. They ended up drafting a quarterback. Uh, you're you're going to sit here and preach for Tua, and then you're going to go draft a seventh-round quarterback. Obviously, it's a seventh-rounder. He's going to be a backup. Make signals, whatever. I don't even care. All right, how about let's go with the Jets. Um, the Jets get an A-. minus. I was considering an A+, plus, but I, not that Sauce Gardner is a bad pick, but like I've said, you, you, you can't keep your quarterback upright, yet you're going to go draft defense. Right at the end of the day, you have to be able to keep, especially it's a young quarterback. We gotta surround him with some pieces, guys. Yeah, you have to. And outside of um, that, Elijah Moore that they drafted last year, the receiving core is pretty weak. Now they go get Derek or um, Garrett Wilson uh, from Ohio State, who's a great pickup. So those two opposite each other are going to be solid. That's a solid um, receiving option. And they go and get a tight end, Jeremy Ruckert, and Brees Hall for the backfield. So. Their offense is actually set, but none of it matters if you don't have time to throw the football. None of it. I mean, you saw the Steelers. Look at the Steelers' offensive pieces. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. You had Juju at one point. This was like last year I'm talking. Najee. Um, Fryermuth, Najee. Did any of it matter? No, because Ben can't extend the play anymore, and he had no time to throw. He had like two. He was getting the ball in like two seconds. So none of it matters if you can't protect the quarterback. So that's why I can't give the Jets an A-, minus, but... Or at an A plus, that's why they are an A minus. But at the end of the day, they just drafted five. Their top five picks are going to walk in and be high end starters for them. They're going to be five of their best offensive pieces day one, plus Gardner. So I guess four. Oh, and Johnson. So the, anyway, they're going to walk in. All of them are going to be high end starters day one. And finally, the Patriots. It's the classic Patriots draft. I'll give them a D. <laughs> they go get Cole Strange, who was projected as a fourth or fifth round pick. They draft him 20-something overall from Chattanooga. Go and get Tyquan Thornton, who, yeah, he's a blazer. He runs a 4-2-8, almost broke the combine record, um, but has shown no real ability to have consistent production. And you have a quarterback of the week arm. So, yeah, he can run 60 yards down the field. Can we get it to him? Probably not. Probably not. So... I'm not sure it fits their style and their scheme. Granted, they did need to get faster on the edge, so I guess that's not terrible. Um, but I, they reached on both their first two picks. Of course they did. The Patriots always do. It's a total Bill Belichick thing, so we'll give them a D. And finally, to finish off this second segment here and our AFC draft grades, let's go over to the AFC West. We'll start with Denver. Now, Denver, for their entire offseason as a whole, is an A+. First of all, you move from a defensive coach to an offensive coach. You move from Drew Locke to Russell Wilson. You upgrade your defensive line through free agency. You go get DJ Jones, Randy Gregory, um, and I I forget the other guy's name. Completely revamped the defensive line. You drafted a corner last year. And this year's draft, it's a B for me, the draft-wise. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. I just don't, they didn't have a whole lot of high picks just because they they traded um, with Denver, right? Obviously for, I'm sorry, with Seattle uh, for Russell Wilson. So they didn't have a first round pick. But in their second round pick, I love the Nick Benito move from Oklahoma. He's a really athletic edge rusher. And then the um, Dulcich, he's a tight end from uh, UCLA. He's going to walk in and be able to kind of replace some of those targets that Noah Fant was getting. Now you have a tight end to stretch the vertical um, seam, kind of like Travis Kelsey does. And they go and get a DB from Pitt, um, that Mathis. So, hey, not a bad – we always like a good hometown pick, so we'll give them a B. You know what? Real quick, impromptu, let's bump them to a B-plus just for the hometown discount there, there huh? All right, Kansas City. We'll give them an A-. Uh, I think Trent McDuffie's a good pick. I like George Karloftis, and I love Sky Moore. Their first three picks are absolutely home run picks, and then it gets a little bit puzzling. I'm not, I don't love their late-round picks, but at the end of the day, um, you're going to insert Sky Moore in with – Patrick Mahomes, who also hometown guy, um, ends up going to Western Michigan. Sky Moore was, I believe, no, it was, he was a Shady Side Academy guy, played with Tevin, if you remember him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
really solid guy. I actually played a little bit of quarterback in high school, transitioned to a wide receiver at Western Michigan. His draft stock skyrocketed because he's super athletic, really fast, nice and shifty in the open field. Um, I think Kansas City, that's a great get for them. The only reason that they're not an A-plus is, I, like I said, later in the draft, I don't, know, I don't think they addressed that many needs, right? I think they could have used another offensive lineman. They got one that I thought was quite underwhelming, and I think you needed another um, edge rusher like after Karloftis as well. But nonetheless, still a really solid pick. You address three major needs in your first three picks. They're all going to be really good starters. Chargers. I'll give the Chargers a B here. You get Zion Johnson, really nice, solid guard. Like you said, you said earlier, Justin Herbert's been running for his life. He has been. Let him sit in the pocket a little bit. So I love that idea. Um, and then you go and go out and get um, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. He's been dominating the SEC for three years as a running back. Um, he's been the best SEC running back for the last two to three years, and I can't believe he fell this far. Um, I think he was a third or fourth round pick. Really solid get for the Chargers. So now you have him and Eckler. That's a really solid backfield. Um, the only reason that they're not higher, I would say, is I would have loved to see him get a run stopper. We saw in that Thursday night football, the Chiefs, who aren't even a running team, went for like 250 on them. Yeah. That's a rough day, and Devontae Wyatt was available, so I would have rather them taken him because your offensive line right now, it's actually not terrible. Right? You go, you went out and got Corey Lindsley from the Packers last year. Another year in the system, he'll be better. You go out and get Rashawn Slater as a rookie. He was phenomenal. He'll even get better. So I, I'm not sure... From a value standpoint, I think I would rather be able to stop the run because if Justin Herbert watches a lot of these games, it doesn't matter how well you protect him if he's on the sideline, right? Because if, if Kansas City basically just made Justin Herbert a spectator, I thought you needed a run stopper. But nonetheless, you also need protection, so it's not the end of the world to go out and get a guard. All right, um, Vegas. I'll give him a C+. Um, they go out and get an offensive lineman and uh, that something par, Parham, Parham. Um, but outside of that, they get they get Zamir White, who will be a solid back because Josh Jacobs, they declined his fifth-year option, which I, makes sense. He's kind of been hurt, and he's productive but not special. right? I, I wouldn't pay him the bag. Um, so Zamir White will be able to fill in there probably next year, so I, I don't mind that pick either. I don't think they have a whole lot of needs because they didn't have a whole lot of picks after the Devontae Adams trade. Um, you have your quarterback. You have a really good tight end. You have two good receivers, two good pass rushers. Um, you you could have argued me into maybe something in the in the secondary, which they did address in the later rounds. Probably not going to be starters day one, but overall could have been better, could have been worse. We'll give them a C plus. All right. Um, well, that'll conclude our AFC draft grades. So I, I you could say that the uh, the best teams probably the Ravens, the Jets. I love the Chiefs um, for the AFC, and then if you wanted to go worst, we'll go with the Patriots. Probably Miami and the Browns. I don't know. But the Browns didn't have a lot of picks, so I'm not going to hold that against them too much. And uh, I don't know. But we'll see how we feel about the NFC next segment. Don't go anywhere. Hey guys, it's Luke here from The Issue. Doing the podcast, we want equipment that works just as hard as we do. That's why we chose Rockville Audio when we thought to build the studio. We got our microphones boomsticks, a mixer, headphones, audio cables, everything from rockvilleaudio.com. They have way more than that. They have stuff for your car, for boats, lighting, audio, everything you could possibly need. Find it at rockville.com. They are awesome. Go check it out. That is rockville.com. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is the third segment of the issue here on a Friday. Uh, we have the rest of our draft grades to give to you. It's it's finals time for college students. We have finished up the semester. We're getting our grades back. It's time that these NFL teams do as well uh, with our... That was slick. I t- I'll tell you what, man. That was slick. We're getting good at this thing. Um... I know, I know it would have been it would have been I would have been playing it cool to just kinda of let that slide as if it was regular, but like that was too slick. Was I had good. to give you your props, man. I had to good. give you props. You know um, what I mean? So let's see how these NFC teams did in this segment, um, and talk, you know, how'd the draft go? I mean, I know for, for just right off the top of my head, the teams sticking out that did the best to me, the, the Eagles. They went off. Yeah. Um, I think trading for AJ Brown's a solid move. You insane. go out and get Jordan Davis, he gets insane. to learn from Fletcher Cox, who's one of the one of the better interior defensive linemen that we've had in the last like decade. Think of like the top defensive linemen. I'm talking interior, right? Obviously Aaron Donald, 
I'm talking like the last decade-ish, Cam Hayward, and, and then Fletcher Cox. Like, those have been the three pinnacle, those have been the pillars of defensive linemen. So uh, Jordan Davis will get to learn from him. But, um, yeah, okay. So we'll actually, might as well just start there. We'll start with the uh, NFC East. We'll start with Philadelphia then. I'm going to give him an A+. Uh, Jordan Davis, like I said, being able to learn from Fletcher Cox, I think he's going to be a, a really, really solid addition to that defense. And you don't want Jalen Hurts, again, to have to win shootouts because he's not prolific with his arm. So if you do get behind early... You don't. It's almost like Lamar Jackson playing from behind. Is it exactly what we want? Because no. he can throw the football a little bit, but he needs some deception to it, some play action, right? If Jalen Hurts is just going to straight up drop back when everybody knows he's going to, I'm not sure he's at that level where he can just pick defenses apart. So if you can kind of get the defense working, right? He, well, he's not going to have to put up 40 points a game. That's what you want with your young quarterback. And then you go out, dra- uh, trade for A.J. Brown. That's unbelievable. So worth a first. Huge. Love that Love that move for them. Um, and then you go get N'Kobe Dean, who slid to the third round. He had a couple issues because he wouldn't test in this one uh, like fitness or, or health test or whatever. Outside of that, he's healthy as a horse, and he's a beast. Yeah. I mean, he's a beast. I mean, he broke almost every record as a linebacker in the SEC. He dominated this past year for Georgia, slid to the third round. He's a great get. And then you go get a tight end who they've always had good tight ends, and I think it's crucial for a young quarterback, especially one that isn't terribly accurate, to go get a big catch radius tight end. Yeah. They already have Dallas Goddard to go get Grant um, or Graham, something like that. Uh, Calcaterra, I think he's from Oklahoma. Really solid get there. Okay, let's go with the Giants. I'll give them a B plus. Uh, maybe I was a little harsh. Whenever they drafted Thibodeau, I said, I, again, I don't get it because you – you need to protect your guy, right? You need to protect on the offensive line. But they did end up going to get Evan Neal with the seventh seventh pick. Yes, they had the fifth and then the seventh. And so they take Thibodeau at, at uh, the fifth spot, and then they go get Evan Neal at the seventh. Now, my thing is, the only reason that they're not higher is you could have got Iki Aquanu at five, who is the best tackle in the draft. Pretty consensus that he's the best tackle in the draft. So you could have got Aquanu at five. Thibodeau would have still been available to you at seven, so you would have had a better offensive lineman because I think he's a little bit better than Neal, and you would have still gotten Thibodeau for a little bit better value. Now, granted, the the gap between Neal and and uh, Equanu isn't that large. Where you're like, what are they doing? It's not a terrible draft. Um, then you go get a guy like uh, Wandale Robinson from Kentucky. You oh, like yeah. him, speedster. He'll he'll start. Um, he'll be a, he'll be a solid get as well. All right, Cowboys. Um, we'll give him a C. I think they significantly overdrafted. I think it's Tyler Smith, I believe is his name. He's a tackle from Tulsa. Um, I Paris of Oklahoma. <laughs> I understand that, you know, you need a tackle to kind of replace um, Lyle Collins and uh, Tyron Smith is getting older, so you're going to need a guy to, to kind of fill in there. So I get drafting a tackle, but I think from a value standpoint, you just need any offensive lineman that can block. And you had guards and Tyler Linderbaum, a center, available on the board. I think both of those were would have been better picks. You had Zion Johnson, and there's another guard that uh, was still available. Those both probably would have been better picks for the Cowboys. Actually, I don't know if uh, Johnson was available. He might have been gone. But either way, I think there were better value picks on the board for them when they when they picked. But I guess it's not the end of the world to, to go get a tackle. Um, and then they go get that Jalen Tolbert. Um, he's pretty decent wide receiver, but again, overdrafted him a little bit. So uh, from a value standpoint, not great. We'll give him a C because they did address some needs, but they could have been better at doing so. Uh, okay, Washington here to round out the East. Uh, I'll give him a C. I think Jahan Dotson is a little bit over overvalued. He's a little bit smaller of a receiver. And look, I understand that the NFL is changing and you can still be a smaller receiver and succeed. I get that. But I think what you're looking at, and when people point, they're like, oh, what about Tyreek Hill? Well, that's an outlier. Go look at the greatest wide receivers in history. They're all 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", right? And then there's like a Tyreek Hill or like a Julian Edelman. They are outliers. They're not – that's not the rule. That's the not exception. Not the norm, yeah. Right. And so do I think John Dutson could still succeed? Absolutely. But I'm saying from a value standpoint, from if we're looking at what's the percentage that this receiver ends up being really, really solid – his percentage is probably a little bit lower than other guys who are a little more physically imposing. Um, outside of that, they drafted they're pretty decent. They got to get a quarterback with Sam Howell in the third or fourth round. Not a bad idea. I don't mind that pick. I up. don't mind that pick either. Now, I will say, I think you should start him for a game or two. Not right away. Let him but, sit like week say, seven, week eight, get a little soft spot in the schedule. But say Wentz gets hurt, 
saying Wentz has to miss a game, or, I mean, it's not like Carson Wentz has never had a three-interception game. I mean, come on now, right? So if Wentz skids for a game, throw Howland for the second half. Throw him in the next week. See what he can do. Maybe give him a start. Because um, I think it's kind of pointless, because they're going to be... They might not be the best team this year, right? I, it wouldn't be... See, it wouldn't surprise me if they win seven games and are drafting at like the 11th or 12th spot again. And I think you could go get a quarterback next year. So I think you need to do you do need to see what you have with Howell. Although we don't expect him to be the future, it wouldn't hurt to give him a shot. Yeah. Okay, let's go with the uh, let's go with the NFC North. Start with the Packers. I'll give him a B plus. Uh, people were freaking out that they didn't get a wide receiver. They got a first round graded wide receiver in the second round. That's great value for Christian Watson. And you go out and get a really good linebacker in Quay, uh, Quay Walker. And then you go get Devontae Wyatt, who's a run stopper. Again, can't have Aaron watching football games. If you can, if there's a team that's going to come in and pound the rock, Aaron's going to be watching a lot of the football game. That doesn't play into the Packers' strength. Let's get a let's get a run stopper. Clog up the middle. Get Aaron the ball back faster. The Lions. I thought the Lions had an A plus draft. I love their draft. I mean, I, I mean, having Aiden Hutchinson fall to you at two is a fantastic thing. That's beautiful. That's best case scenario. What could have happened for them? Best case scenario. I thought if he didn't, I still think the pick should have been Sauce Gardner. If he didn't fall, but he did, that's one hundred percent the pick. He's going to walk in day one and give you twelve to thirteen sacks. It reminds me a lot of a TJ Watt, right? I don't think he's quite as athletic and doesn't bend the edge quite as well, but he's got the high motor. He's never going to give up on a play. He's going to work his butt off, and he's going to get to the quarterback. Um, and then you go get uh, Jamison Williams, who's a really nice speed receiver out of Alabama. Once his ACL recovers, I think he'll be really solid as well. And another Kentucky guy, shout out Kentucky. Um, I think it's Zach Pascal or Josh Pascal. Josh Pascal. Yeah. An edge rusher, yeah. really solid. I think really solid. Him and Hutchinson together, because I, I think Pascal will probably start. Mm-hmm. I think I mean he should at least. That's a really really solid. Those are really two solid edge rushers. That, oh, yeah. That's a good. You now have a good defensive line. Yeah. Not not just average. You have a good defensive line. And plus Jamison Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown from last year, you have a pretty solid receiving core as well. Add yeah. TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, your weapons are set. And Jared Goff has thrown the ball decent in the past. Let's keep that Look, in mind. Jared Goff's been to a Super Bowl. You just have to keep him upright. If you can keep him upright, he can actually win you some football games. You'll have Panay Swole. Uh, he'll be better. And their, their line's actually pretty solid. So they have a chance. I think they'll be one of the most competitive six-win teams this year. I think we're going to predict them more than three wins this season. But, yeah, I don't see it getting much out of the single digits, no. They did get better though, but uh, yeah, okay. Vikings, I'm um, gonna give them a B. I think they go they go get Lewis Seen. He's a uh, safety from Georgia. Drafting a Georgia defensive player, especially this past season, is never a bad idea. And they traded back into the first round for that to happen. Uh, like traded back, so they get draft capital. They moved from like 14 all the way back, uh, and that's not a bad idea. And then they go get uh, Andrew Booth, who I thought was a first-round graded corner from Clemson. They get him in the second round. That's a good get. And nobody's going to talk about it, but a sixth-round pick went to Bishop Gorman for high school, ended up going to Michigan State. His name's Jalen Naylor. He's a really, really nice receiver. He's a slot guy, so he's kind of quicker, faster, but he's got a really nice size like body on him. Right? He, he's not... He's not going to get hurt or anything like that. He's going to be a really nice, solid receiver in the middle of that uh, middle of the field for the Vikings. That's going to complement Thielen and Jefferson on the outside. He'll, he'll do those intermediate routes, those slot routes in the middle. It's a good get that I don't think anyone will talk about. I love the pick, though. And the Bears. Uh, the Bears are the Bears. The, I'm, I'm going to give them a C-, and I think I'm being generous. Um, what have we seen work in this league? We see you get a young quarterback, and you surround him with a bunch of talent. The Bengals easily could have went with an offensive lineman or a, or, or a DB like they needed last year. Instead, they go get Jamar Chase, boom, they go to the Super Bowl. I mean, can we get Justin Fields either out of Chicago or can we get him some help? They go out and draft uh, their first three picks are on the defensive side of the football. Look, I just don't get it because you have no offensive talent whatsoever. And I don't know who you're paying because you couldn't afford Allen Robinson. You're not paying anybody. You had to let go of your top corner last year because you couldn't afford him. You had to let go of your top wide receiver this year because you can't afford him. Who are you paying? You don't even have a unit that's solid anymore. No. I guess maybe they're linebackers. Is all their money in linebackers? Unfortunately, I think most of it's tied up there, yeah. It's a terrible idea. It's a that's why I didn't like them. That's, idea. that's why I didn't like them going to dra- uh, going and hiring a defensive head coach. You have to give Jalen, uh, or I'm sorry, Justin Fields a shot. You got to give him a shot. And you're not right now, and it's it's a travesty. And, of course, the Bears blow a great opportunity. Of course they do. C-minus, that's being generous. Right, well, let's, go with the, let's go over to the West. So, Seattle, um, 
I'll give Seattle a B plus, right? So you go get Charles Cross, who I think was a top, he should have been a top ten pick, was a top ten pick, really solid tackle. I think he was a step below Aquanu um, and Neal slightly, but I think he's a really good tackle. Um, and then you go getting Boye, I believe is his first name, Mafe is his last name from um, Minnesota, edge rusher, a little bit of a, of a bigger defensive end, but I, I like the idea. Um, and then they go get Kobe Bryant, who's a defensive. <laughs> I know Kobe Bryant, <laughs> baller. Anyway, um, he's actually a DB. He was opposite Sauce Gardner, yeah, RIP legend Kobe. Um, I still, every time I shoot paper into a trash can, it's always Kobe. It'll never be anything else. Actually, saw a kid throw a baseball into a bucket the other day. Yelled Kobe. Kid was maybe nine years old. Has n- probably no idea who Kobe Bryant is, but the so legend, upsetting. the legend lives on. But anyway, um, his namesake goes to the. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, and I think that was the third or fourth round, which is a good get. He was almost just as good as Sauce Gardner, but nobody talked about him because he's not quite as tall, doesn't have the intangibles of like a first-round pick. Super productive. I like him on the outside. The Rams. I'll give them a C plus. Uh, so they go out and get a lineman. They don't, they don't have a lot of top-end picks because they trade them all for good players, which I don't think that's a bad idea either. Uh, but you go get uh, something, Bruss, Brandon Bruss or whatever. He's from Wisconsin, so he's going to be able to move bodies. They just breed running backs and linemen up there, so I, I, that's not a bad pick. And then they go get Darion Kendrick from uh, Georgia in the later rounds. Again, another Georgia defensive player. Not a bad idea. They had, like, every single player, I think, on the Georgia defense almost that was draft eligible was drafted. So that's uh, a really solid team to draft from. But, again, they didn't have a lot of picks and not a lot of high-end picks, so we'll go C+. Okay, San Francisco. C minus feels about right. Um, I, I'm not sure I could actually recognize any of the players that they that they drafted. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't recognize any of them. Um, but from a positional standpoint, they did address some needs. They got an offensive lineman. Uh, I think they got a receiver and a DB. I mean, those were probably the three biggest spots where you need guys. And I think they did address them. But again, I don't I don't recognize any of these names. Maybe that's on me. But we'll go C minus. I think also I'm I, I'm letting my disdain for how they're handling their quarterback situation kind of leak into this this grade. I don't get what they're doing. No. Let Trey Lance play. Why has Jimmy Garoppolo not been moved yet? You cannot tell me there's no market for him. I will tell you right now. Carolina would rather have him than Sam Darnold, and I don't. There's no way that they haven't offered something for Garoppolo. The Niners are just being greedy trying to get a second and a second and a first or whatever for Garoppolo. That is stupid. You traded a second for him, and he got you to a Super Bowl. You won the trade. Okay, you don't need to go out and get a first-round pick for him. Take the third, take the fourth, and move on. He had 17, no, $27 million of a cap hit that you can spend to surround your young quarterback with talent. I don't get this at all. I don't understand it. And John Lynch has shown no ability to be a competent GM so far that actually leads his team to the next level. So I don't want to hear it. This is horrific how they're handling this situation. The San Francisco 49ers should be ashamed. C minus. C minus. I'm fired up. There you go. All right, Arizona. We'll give them a D. Um, yes, they go out and get a tight end, and I, and I do like their like seventh round pick, Jesse Lucetta from Penn State. I think both those players are going to be underrated. Uh, Trey McBride, tight end, and then Jesse Lucetta, the the edge rusher. But outside of that, you got fleeced for a first round pick, absolutely fleeced. Just trying to give an olive branch to a spoiled uh, spoiled quarterback. Ugh. Bad decision, bad decision. Um, you could add Tyler Linderbaum, but I don't even know if they need offensive line. But it, either way. Um, they, they didn't, I think getting fleeced on that pick alone drops them down to bare minimum, a C minus. Yeah. And, uh, I think the rest of their draft was kind of underwhelming as well. So we'll go with a D. All right. Over to the South. I think Tampa Bay is probably a B minus. Uh, they, they didn't do anything to overly impress me, but they did need a tight end and they did need a line, uh, offensive alignment. And they got both of them with some of the early picks. Not, not terrible. We'll give them a B minus. How about the Saints? We'll go B plus. Chris Olave, very nice receiver. Yes. Trevor Penning, one of the top probably five to six tackles. Uh, Again, very good. He slid a little bit in the first round. They were still able to take him. I love that move. Um, And then I think they went out and got a DB, which isn't a bad idea. If you're going to have probably a young quarterback next year, wouldn't be a bad idea to get some defense around him. Plus, I feel like anytime the Saints are actually good, they do have a really strong defense. Everybody thinks of, like, oh, Drew Brees and the high-flying offenses. Whenever they're actually really competitive, they have a solid defense. And opposite Marshawn Lattimore, not a bad idea. The Falcons, I'll give them an A. 
Um, I First of all, I really love the Desmond Ritter pick. I think Desmond Ritter is actually going to be a very solid NFL quarterback. Do I think he's going to be a star? No. Do I see him being like a nice eight-year career? He's going to have one starting role. He'll be mildly successful. Then he'll be a bridge guy a couple places. That's how kind of how Teddy I view Bridgewater. Him. He'll be a Teddy Bridgewater, Carson Wentz, right? Yeah. I would even go more Carson Wentz or because he's, he's more physically Mitch, gifted than Mitch Teddy. Trubisky even maybe. maybe a Mitch Trubisky, right? Something like that where he, he's he's a really physically gifted guy. He needs to work on his, his release a little bit. He needs to maybe take a year. And, and sitting behind Mariota, they kind of play a little bit similar. Mariota's a little bit more mobile, but both of them are athletic. Throw the, a nice ball, but not special, right? They, they, they both kind of play similar. He'll be able to learn from them. And then they go to get that um, Abiquete. I think he's from Penn State as well. Uh, and Drake London as well from USC. That's a good get. Like I said, I would have rather taken um, Garrett Wilson. But I did also say that the Falcons, it wouldn't surprise me if they go get a Drake London because they're infatuated with that big, tall receiver, big catch radius like Julio Jones, like a Drake London. And finally, the Panthers, to round out our draft grades, we'll give them a B. I love the Ike Aquanu move. I don't love Matt Corral as a prospect. I think he's a little undersized. His arm is eh. His release needs work. Reminds me a little bit of a Sam Darnold, although he doesn't come like da- like down as much as Sam Darnold. The release is different, but having a release issue reminds me of Sam Darnold. Uh, but he's... He- He's a little bit athletic. He can move a little bit. I'll, I'll give him a B. Uh, I think drafting an offensive lineman was certainly the right move. I'm not sure I would have drafted Corral, but nonetheless, I don't think it's a terrible move. We'll go with a B. You could argue me into a B plus, but we'll, we'll stick with B for right now. <laughs> All right, well, that is the rest of our NFC draft grades. Great day. That was a great day. I mean, the, the draft was something we got pumped up for, and obviously, you know made the mock draft and had a lot of work that went towards you know what we thought would go on i just want to stress that again that's why we can <laughs> um yeah it wasn't but, it wasn't predicting what would happen it was what we would do if we were the general managers okay but to sit back and like kind of review the draft and and just to get a look into what it's going to be like covering the nfl this coming season is exciting uh, I, I can't wait to get into it i mean every team i, I love the the draft because every team thinks Hey, we just got our we just got our next Pro Bowler. You know what I mean? At every single pick, they're like, "Oh, that six round pick, he'll walk in and start." Every single team, like they, everybody's the optimism, the, up. the optimism is through the roof. It's an exciting time in the NFL, and it's just it's an exciting time for our show. Like we said, we have a lot of big news coming up. We really, really appreciate you guys stopping in to listen. Um, please come back next week. We will have Coach Eric Kasparovich on to talk a little bit of Kenny Pickett, a little bit of post-draft in general. He got a big job at Mars Football. Yeah. We're going to talk about it all um, for the for you local uh, local guys that you know follow a little bit of high school football. That's going to be great as well. And we will have Tyler Bursick on coming up either um, next week or the week after to talk a little Penguins hockey. They're in the playoffs. So we really appreciate you guys supporting us. And uh, that was the issue. <laughs>